Welcome to Podcasting Tech, a podcast that equips busy entrepreneurs engaged in podcasting with proven and cost-effective solutions for achieving a professional sound and appearance. I'm Matthew Passy, your host and a 15-year veteran in the podcasting space. We'll help you cut through the noise and offer guidance on software and hardware that can elevate the quality of your show. Tune in weekly for insightful interviews with tech creators, behind-the-scenes studio tours, and strategies for podcasting success. Head to podcastingtech.com to subscribe to this show on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform and join us on this exciting journey to unlock the full potential of your podcast. And on this episode, we are doing a studio tour of some really cool podcasting setups. And joining us today is Steven Robles. He is a video and podcast creator. He is the video producer and podcast producer at Riverside.fm, which coincidentally we are using to record this podcast. He's also the host and creator of the Primary Technology Podcast. He does a bunch of tech videos, uh, you know, talking about Apple devices, mobile technology, smart home devices, and then some. So definitely encourage you to go check out his content on social media and on YouTube. Steven, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's fun to be here. So Steven, how did you get into creating the Primary Technology Podcast? What was kind of the impetus to start that? You know, I've been podcasting for 13 plus years back when you had to hand roll your own XML feed and like a text <laughs> file. And uh, I've always done some kind of technology podcast. I'm just kind of a nerd at heart. You know, I love doing those kinds of shows. And so I was the host of the Apple Insider podcast for about four years. I got to start it actually in 2015 and then returned in uh, 2020, did that for a number of years and recently just left there and wanted to kind of do my own thing, really make a push on the video podcasting front. And so we launched Primary Technology at the beginning of this year, January 2024. We hit the top 18 shows in Apple Podcasts for the tech category in our second week of launch. Then we just talk about, you know, all technology. There's a little bit of an Apple slant because we're both kind of Apple guys, but uh, we try to cover the whole technology landscape. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I noticed as I was looking over your stuff, you've been uh, talking a lot about the Vision Pro, which at the time of this recording is going to be hitting people's doorsteps. And I think yours uh, this week, right? I'll be should be getting it Friday, February 2nd uh, on launch day. And I have uh, some videos planned for it, of course. And then on the Riverside channel, want to you know see what implications it has for podcasting. I, obviously, right away. Not much because, you know, there's not really a lot of apps and stuff, but you can't listen to podcasts in Vision Pro and who knows with spatial video and other ways to capture that media, how it might affect podcasting in the future, especially as podcasting is really leaning into video nowadays, especially on YouTube and such. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I can't imagine how it's going to impact just the audio only podcasting universe other than being able to consume that content while doing a bunch of other things that you can do on those glasses. But I'm sure there are some really interesting and creative ideas coming down the pike for people who do video podcasts and other video content. So we'll be excited to check that out. So let's talk a little bit about your tech stack. What do you typically use when you are recording your, we'll, we'll call a podcast where we're talking both video and audio in this case. For sure. Well, if it's all right, I might share my screen. I could show a photo uh, kind of of a wide shot of my editing area. Nice. And this is uh, my my desk this is where I record all my content, you know, podcasts, video content. And at the heart of it, of course, is a Mac studio that runs everything. And when it comes to audio, I have a Rodecaster Pro 2 off to the side as my main audio interface. Going into that, I have uh, this microphone that I'm talking into now, which is the Earthworks Ethos. It's just my favorite mic for, for podcasting. 
Also into that, I have a shotgun microphone, the Sennheiser MKH416, which I use for all of my video content. So both of that going into the Rodecaster Pro 2 into the Mac Studio. And then video-wise, I use a Sony A7 IV with a Sigma 35mm f1.4 lens, and that's what I'm using right now to record uh, this video podcast, and then also all my video content I record on that as well. And I also have a Sony A6400. It was one of my kind of first mirrorless cameras that I use as a B-roll camera. So it's kind of top-down and I have a Sigma 24 to 70 lens on that, which just makes it easy to do those top-down shots. Sony autofocus is rock solid. And so I never have to worry about that kind of stuff. Eye tracking on this main camera and, you know, center focus on the uh, B-roll camera. And it, it works out really well. And I see you're running all that through the uh, ATEM Blackmagic uh, Mini oh. there. Yes, the ATEM uh, Blackmagic, the Mini Blackmagic ATEM Mini Pro is the switcher. You know, has four HDMI HDMI input, so I have the two cameras uh, input there. I also have an Apple TV. Uh, sometimes just to either screen record an Apple TV if there's a software update, I have that, and I also have my Mac Studio second display going to that, which I really use when I'm recording a video podcast. Sometimes I want to like switch over, or if I'm doing a live stream, uh, like I'll be doing a live stream unboxing of the Apple Vision Pro. And I actually use the uh, top-down camera and the screen share, all of it, uh, while I live stream through the, the switcher. And you'll also see on the desk on the far left side, there's a stream deck. And so I use that strictly to control the ATEM because the ATEM is kind of far away uh, from where I'm sitting to record. So I have this stream deck to adjust the switcher, but I also have the stream deck pedal which is really useful for switching because I can switch between my camera one and my camera two, my top-down shot, and I can use a third button on the Stream Deck pedal with my foot to enable picture-in-picture. Picture. So I can quickly switch between my camera angles and put myself in picture-picture picture, all with my foot. So I can do all the unboxing, do the live stream, and really then it looks like a finished edit uh, just with my foot pedal and all the, the switchers. So, wow, like, Fantastic setup, and, and this picture looks very clean, very nice. One question, I one I had never even heard of the Stream Tech Stream Deck foot pedal that has got to be valuable for video uh, producers, especially who are doing lots of different things and you know might be holding a product while they're talking about it and doing a live stream or something like that. Right, exactly. Yes. I noticed the second mic, though, in your setup there, off uh, right behind the one that you're using right now, looks like a Shure 7B. I have a Shure SM7B, uh, mostly to uh, tell people not to buy it uh, for the most case. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I did have a video on the Riverside channel that said it was overhyped. I have a few microphones, as you'll see in this uh, photo. And, you know, the Shure MV7 uh, is a great microphone. That's actually what I use when I travel. If I have to record, I'll throw that in my backpack. It's a great mic for that. The Shure SM7B, obviously, it's iconic. You know, every major podcast that you see with celebrities, they're using the SM7B usually. I just find that for most people, even intermediate podcasters, as they're trying to get into podcasting, it, it's so finicky of a microphone and takes so much other equipment. You know, most people might have a Scarlett 2i2 audio interface. They try to plug in the Shure SM7B and they wonder why they can't hear themselves or why the volume is so low. And people just are not aware of the gain needs for the SM7B. And you really need a cloud lifter or fethead. Or you need a powerful enough audio interface like a Rodecaster Pro 2 or something like that. Or and that Mixpre 3 I see in the bottom left corner of this picture. Yeah, I have a Mixpre 3 as well, which was my audio interface before the, the Rodecaster Pro 2. And both of those can run the SM7B no problem. 
But then I also find like the dip switches are finicky on the back of that. And for a lot of people's voices, including my own, if they're a little lower in timbre, that you don't get a lot of clarity or enough clarity for me. And you have to do a lot of EQing and post-processing with it. And so I actually steer people to other microphones more, more of the time. I am the exact same way. When I was working with clients all the time, a lot of them wanted that SM7B because they saw, you know, the Joe Rogans of the world using it and right. Every right. podcaster who had a video channel was a big deal, had it. And yeah, we just found that it was, it, it became so much one more expensive than what they expected and caused a lot of problems because once you add that cloud lifter, once you add that fed head, now it's becoming a super sensitive mic. It's picking up all sorts of background noise. Whereas as a dynamic mic, right. it really should be, a little bit tighter, right? It shouldn't be picking up as right. much. I, I, I try to get people to avoid that as well. I agree that MV seven though is a, is a great, great, uh, entry level shore microphone, not even entry level. I mean, it's a, it's a high it's quality microphone, but it's good yeah. for entry level as well. For sure. For sure. I also highly recommend the, uh, audio technica ATR 2100 X as a USB mic. It's usually 60 or $70 on Amazon. And for a lot of people, I mean, it could take you years into podcasting. Like it really does sound great. And it has USB-C connection as opposed to the Samson Q2U, which still has the mini USB. And I'm like, just give me USB-C everywhere. Like I don't want none of that. Oh, you know what? That's a really, because I, I typically recommend the Samsung as well uh, because I like the Q9U, which I'm not even sure if they're still selling anymore. Every time I go to look for it, it looks like they're they're out of stock, but Good to know that yeah. 2100X has the USB-C, so I'll, I'll update my recommendations as well because I was a fan of that 2100 originally too. Yeah, and it, and you know I have a podcast host. I do a movie podcast, and he's been using that microphone for like the last six years, and he sounds great. And it's you know really forgiving. He's recorded in hotel rooms. He travels a lot, and it does great at a lot of room noise rejection. And now there's just so many tools like AI tools to to make audio better. You can almost use those if you don't have the great setup yet. And it's a lot cheaper. There's some even free tools out there. So, yeah. 100%. In fact, when I was traveling a little bit more for work, I always kept the 2100 in my laptop bag because, right, you can just plug it in, throw in some yep. headphones, hold it up, and you're ready to go. I've done a few podcasts from hotel rooms and, you know, non-ideal locations, and they came out sounding great. So I agree. Sure. If you're just getting started and you don't want to – I mean, everybody wants to invest – thousand dollars or so into their setup but for sure. 60 70 dollars you know maybe a couple more dollars for a good stand and, and a you know cheap pair of earbuds to put in it you can't go wrong with those 2100s or or the samsung's yeah. uh depending on, on what your setup is for sure and you know a lot of times something like a mic arm is going to be a better investment at first than buying like rather than buying a 250 dollars microphone buy the 70 dollars mic and get a mic arm buy yourself a light if you're going to do a video podcast, and that's probably going to give you a better product up front because, you know, for a long time, like holding a USB microphone, not only is it tiring if you do a long podcast, but you're going to get little clicks and pops like in the USB cable, like it's, you're going to have all those things and they're hard to edit out. And that's something the AI tools, you have a bunch of pops and clicks, like it's just not going to do well. So, you know, get invest in a cheap microphone get uh, not a cheap, but get the ATR 2100X. It's a good microphone. Get an inexpensive mic arm. Then it'll limit like shocks and taps on your desk and you can get a, have a much better setup right away. I couldn't agree with you more. You're, you're giving me a little PTSD from clients that I used to edit who were try handheld or, you know, all sorts of crazy uh, setups yeah. without, without a good mic arm or, or even truthfully, even just a good mic stand, right? That ATR comes with its own little tripod yeah. stand, but truthfully you put that on your desk and the mic's pointing at your belly button, which Right. doesn't really do you much good, right? You need to get it 
nice up and close and personal for it to uh, for it to work well. I wonder, do yeah. you remember the first mic you ever used in podcasting since you've been doing this for a while? Oh goodness, the first microphone. It was probably I had a Shure Beta eighty seven A as one of my earliest microphones. Uh, I got it because Marco Arment, he's a host on the uh, ATP.fm podcast. You know, he also uh, runs Overcast, right? Yeah, he built the app Overcast. He's the sole developer there. Great podcast app. But he recommended that as like his number one pick for the balance of cost versus quality. And there's still a lot of professional podcasters that use that microphone, like John Gruber, who does the talk show, another big Apple podcast. He uses the Shure Beta 87A. And so I invested in that. And I think I used that for for many years. And from there, I actually went to the ATR 2100X just for ease of a USB mic. And then... I don't even, I have so many mics after that. I'm not sure what the pro- progress was, but that's Shure Beta 87A. I would still recommend for a lot of people. It's a solid mic, but XLR only. So you need an audio interface and then you get into that whole world too. Yeah, I remember when I first got started, the audio interface game was a, not quite as generous, not quite as easy as it is today with all the various road products or just the mics with their own built-in uh, interface, right. essentially. Uh, so yeah, that's a fantastic setup. When it comes to video, Right. You have very sure. nice, expensive cameras there. You know, we had great recommendations for that first time mic usage. What would you say to folks who were thinking about jumping into video who cannot invest the kind of money that, you know, folks like yourself can into those, you know, high tech Sony cameras? I mean, nowadays, like if you have an iPhone and most modern Android phones, like that's the best video quality you're going to get before you jump to a mirrorless camera. I've tried many, many webcams, including the nice webcams that are several hundred dollars that are 4K, and none of them perform as good as an iPhone. And with continuity camera, you can use your iPhone as a webcam with no third-party app required, and it looks great. And you can do it with Riverside. So honestly, I tell most people, like when you think about your budget and what you're going to invest in, if you have a modern iPhone, like iPhone 11 or newer, that's your camera until you're ready to spend about $1,000. Now, after the iPhone, I think the Sony ZV-E10, yes. which that's, yes. a, you know, that camera's around $800, $900. Buy refurbished. You know, that's another thing, too. If you're starting out with equipment, don't shy away from buying, like, good refurbished, you know, from trusted brands. Amazon sells refurbished products, B&H Photo. Buy refurbished. Like, it's okay. And the Sony ZV-E10 is sub $1,000. But what's key is it has that Sony autofocus, which is on point, and it has an interchangeable lens. So you can upgrade your lens later if you want kind of that blurry background or bokeh effect. You can buy a nicer lens. I would recommend the Sigma 16 millimeter f1.4, which is about three or four hundred dollars with that camera. And you can have video that looks very similar to what I have right now for about eleven hundred dollars. And so I would do iPhone until you're ready to invest about that in the Sony ZV-E10. You know, I, I know iPhone does the continuity camera and I just, I've had my Logitech Brio just set up. It's so easy. It's, it's right here. Sure. Uh, and I know it doesn't always work optimally with Riverside and some other platforms, right? It, it claims right. 4k, but it, it never really produces that when you're using some of these online platforms. So I might actually give that a try. I might go continuity camera and see uh, how easy it is and, and what the difference is. Those Sony, by the way, CVE-10s, we were doing a studio build and we were messing around with a bunch of cameras and we wound up settling on those. And yeah, could not be happier with 
the quality oh, yeah. you get for the price, the flexibility, the versatility. I would also recommend getting uh, one of those uh, battery, like plug-in battery packs. So you yes. don't have to worry about running out of power with that. That'll make all the difference. And a few setting tweaks there, and it really is just the perfect camera for podcasting, especially when you're uh, first getting started out now. Don't take it on the road with you. Don't move around with it. It does not handle Ideally, movement yeah. very well. But right, as a stationary right. streaming camera, mwah, chef's kiss right there. And and I would say, you know, to the continuity camera iPhone thing, continuity camera maxes out at 1080p. It's not 4K. But your listeners and viewers have to realize, like, 4K is not everything. You can have 4K resolution, but not good white balance, not good low light performance, you know, unable to focus on your face quickly. and 4k but having all of those problems like i've tested a lot of 4k webcams and they have those issues it's not going to have a good end product and the reason why i suggest things like continuity cameras the iphone is great in in unideal lighting conditions it's great at focus and it's great at white balance Mm. and then you just don't even have to think about it and if you want to add that little blur portrait effect it's not perfect also depending on your hair and background and all kind of stuff but it does really well so yeah. Nice. Yeah, that, that's uh, all solid points. Yeah, the iPhone does uh, well, and even the uh, the Android cameras too. They all do a really nice yeah. job of just making it easy, right? Just user friendly. Don't have to think right. too much about it. Uh, well, I, this is great. I, I mean, you have a fantastic setup, some great equipment there, some fantastic suggestions for folks who are trying to move into a more professional level, but also those just getting started. So, really appreciate that. Before we let you go, let me fire a few quick questions at you that we're going to be asking everybody. So one is, is there any tech on your wish list right now? Like, is there a microphone? Is there a camera? Is there something out there that you just, you want to get, you're like, maybe it's out of budget, maybe it's not available or, or whatnot, just, but it's something that you definitely want to get your hands on. There's a, uh, there's three things uh, that I'd really like. One doesn't exist. <laughs> but I want it, which is a Blackmagic A10 Mini Pro Video Switcher like I have, but 4K. <laughs> so okay. probably just said about 1080p versus 4K. I would love a 4K version of that video switcher. I'm I don't know why you. it's taking them. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why it's taking them so long, but I'm I'm hoping for that. That's one. Number two, Elgato just came out with a teleprompter that looks amazing. Uh, it's basically a tiny screen with a little teleprompter, but you can use it as a secondary display and basically like drag your Riverside window over onto that teleprompter and look directly at your guest, but also be seeing, uh, but looking into the camera. And so you're not looking off to the side when you look at your guest. And I don't have a great teleprompter set up right now. And so I would love that, uh, that, that Elgato teleprompter. You know, I actually have one th- sitting in a box okay. I got to open up. Maybe I'll do oh, that and do a little review and, uh, and, and show everyone what it looks like uh, in a future video. See, that's wonderful. Yeah, I got to get one. I got to get one of those. And, and thirdly, I would like to add a third camera to my setup for things like live streaming. And even when I just record videos, I record all the cameras simultaneously and then use multicam clips and Final Cut because it really cuts down on editing if I can just switch, you know, between the different angles. And I would love a third angle that's kind of like desk level at my hands for talking about a product or whatever. So I would have the overshot, which is great most times, but having that kind of like desk height shot of a product uh, that's really close up. And to do that, I would need another camera. And so I would like another camera. It's it's too much of a luxury right now to say like, yeah, I'm going to get it. I got the Vision Pro. So, you know, that's my budget for a while. And uh, <laughs> we'll see, maybe in the near future. On the on the podcasting front itself, are there is there any place that you would like to see improvement in just 
podcasting in general, not equipment necessarily, but just how it impacts creators or even how it impacts users. For sure. Two, two big things there. Number one, I would love to see a community aspect where you can interact with your listeners that's closer to the listening experience. And what I mean by that is as a podcast creator, you can have like membership programs or, or have discord communities where you invite people to a discord channel. So I'm just not crazy about discord. You can try to set up a Slack. You can try to set up, you know, an actual community through something like circle, but there's just not a great way for your listeners to directly interact with you. Again, they can go to social media, you know, if you're there, but Spotify has come the closest where they actually have like a Q&A feature where if you listen in the Spotify app as a listener, you can actually shoot a question and the podcast creators can see it and answer it via text in the Spotify creator dashboard. But I would love to see some kind of engagement like and YouTube is going to be ahead of the game because as podcasts are more coming to YouTube, YouTube has the comments and the likes and the engagement and interaction already locked down uh, because of the video platform. So I would love to see Apple Podcasts and Spotify figure out how to engage more with your listeners more closely on it. And secondly, monetization for mid to smaller podcasters. And there's a lot of platforms that are working on this. Spotify for, for podcasters, you can have you know ads dynamically inserted. Buzzsprout does a great thing where you can have ads inserted just through your podcast host. But I would love, you know, when you get to a certain size, like 10,000 downloads an episode and higher, you can work with an ad agency and they'll book ads for you. But until you're that size, most ad agencies don't want to talk to you. And it's really the only way to have like consistent advertising. And it's a lot of work to reach out to sponsors directly as a podcast host and have those regular sponsorships. So I would love for podcasts in general to figure out how can those mid to smaller podcasts monetize that's not a ton of work, that's repeatable, it can be ongoing, and that brands would be more open to it. And so that brands would start supporting and I'm not sure how it can be done aside from like, you know, an ad agency type organization. I don't know the answer, but I would love for there to be advancement in that area. Yeah. I mean, I think it would have to be somewhat similar to like the megaphone model, which is you get a company right. that says, I want to buy, you know, a million impressions. And then they just disperse them out a bunch across a bunch right. of different podcasts. But now brands have to be comfortable with any podcast, right? Being where their content shows up and then Similarly, I think the content creators have to be okay with any ad showing up and having a little bit less right. control over it for that for that model to work. But that's that's a really that's a really good thought. And you know, going back to the other thing you were talking about, that social aspect of podcast consumption, I really thought Facebook or then Twitter uh, was really going to yeah. grab that one and and take it for a ride. But neither one of them could really sink their teeth into it and figure it out. No. And, you know, Apple podcasts, you can leave reviews, you know, five star reviews. And I actually do this thing on my shows where I give shout outs to anyone who left a five star review on the podcast and Apple podcast. We do it at the top of the show for primary technology. And it's kind of great because I tell people, leave your name and where you listen from, because a lot of times the Apple podcast reviews just has their username. And a lot of times it's not even like a real name. You know, it's just a random string or something they made up. And so that's almost a way to my listeners, they've they've really enjoyed hearing their name said like, hey, thanks, Chris, listening from Germany or whatever. And just that little bit of interaction goes a long way. But to take it even further to maybe there's comments and I understand there's a whole moderation thing there. Apple 
probably avoids things like comments being able to be left on content on its platforms. I totally understand there's a bunch of moderation questions there, but some mechanism uh, would be nice for more engagement. Yeah, some sort of direct communication tool. In the meantime, I mean, there are third party ones, but yeah, it would be nice for it to be a little bit more centralized. I think that's drove a lot of the the podcasting space. Um, Fantastic. And even from... For members too, you know, I do Apple Podcasts subscriptions for my two shows, Primer Technology and Movies on the Side, and I have people like supporting the shows directly, paying monthly or even annually, but I get no data on who that is. And I understand that's a privacy and security thing that Apple promises, but when you do get members on things like Patreon or Memberful, you can ask for names and addresses, and then you can support your li- your supporters, people who are paying to listen to your content by sending free merch, stickers, anything. And that's the like I don't get that data from Apple Podcasts. There's no way for me to send a free T-shirt to someone who supports me on Apple Podcasts. And so, again, it would be nice if there was some way, even for that level of communication, where. I can send a message to everyone who supports the show, even if they, you know, I don't get their email addresses. Like I totally get that Apple, but <laughs> it would be nice to like have that open ability to reward the people that are literally paying to listen to the show. Yeah. And a supercast is another one that does really good job with right. uh, private podcast feeds and, you know, supplying that information. So I agree with you there. It would be nice to have a, a nice direct connection to those listeners, especially ones who have who have, are so invested in the show, they're willing to pay for access right, to it. They're not right. just tripping over a podcast one day and being like, oh, no, leave me alone, Stephen. I didn't ask for this. You know, that's right. Exactly. Very, very different story. Uh, last thing we always want to ask everybody is what is currently your favorite podcast that you were listening to besides your own? Oh, my goodness. I mean, I listen to so many techie podcasts. And so that would be a, my initial reaction. I actually have enjoyed Smartless, which, you know, yes. it's a celebrity podcast. It's actors, and, and typically I shy away from celebrity-driven shows, but I actually really enjoy Smartless. I think it's it's enjoyable. It's fun to listen to. Uh, I enjoy a lot of Decoder episodes with Neelai Patel, and uh, I'll do two more real quick, and then I'll, I'll say um, my favorite recent one, but Omnibus is a fun podcast. It's kind of like obscure history. They go in-depth on like random historical events. Uh, that's with Ken Jennings, who oh, nice. uh, Jeopardy fame. Yeah, yeah, he's a co-host there and John Roderick, and they talk about interesting stuff. And uh, if you're a creator, podcast or video, YouTube, whatever, Creator Science by Jay Klaus, it is an incredible resource. He has amazing guests on that show. I've been listening to every episode recently. And if you're trying to grow as a creator or video, podcast, whatever, just listen to his show. I mean, it's just incredible advice for free and he has these huge names on there that talks about the success in in their fields including podcasting so yeah highly recommend excellent well we'll make sure to provide links to uh those shows as well as again uh links to everything that steven does he is a video and podcast producer at riverside fm the platform that we are using to host this conversation to record it and he is also the host of the primary technology podcast you can find it at primarytech.fm. We'll include a link there so you can find it very easily. Stephen, thanks for uh, taking us into your studio and for joining us. Thanks so much, Matthew. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today on Podcasting Tech. There are links to all the hardware and software that help power our guest content and podcasting tech available in the show notes and on our website at podcastingtech.com. You can also subscribe to the show on your favorite platform, connect with us on social media, and even leave a rating and review while you're there. 
Thanks, and we'll see you next time on Podcasting Tech.